Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Hutchcroft, photographer, copywriter, and educational content creator. Join me while I sit down with talented photographers, savvy entrepreneurs, and inspiring educators from the Unscripted community. Each week, I pick their brains and invite them to share real-life advice so you can learn everything you need to know to grow your dream business. Tune in for conversations about harnessing your creativity, connecting to your clients, building your confidence as a photographer, and so much more. No matter where you are on your photography journey, this is the podcast for you. If you want to celebrate all stories, take photos that matter, and feel empowered in your craft, don't go anywhere. Let's get right into it. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Unscripted Podcast for Photographers. Today on the show, I have Jackson Grant, who is not your average run-of-the-mill wedding photographer. A quick peruse of his website, and it's plain to see he is a wedding photographer, sure, but the framing and the colors and his whole vibe have the wedding industry turned on its head. Each image is vivid, wild, and buzzing. Sometimes, kind of literally, as it's like turned into a gif. But don't let his exuberant approach fool you. He's definitely not afraid to put the groom in flippers and the bride in a snorkel, but there's nothing careless about his approach. He takes on 25 couples a year and is intentional and generous with his time. His is a no-shortcut approach to inquiries, client communication, photography, culling, editing, and he's willing to spend the time on each stage of this process. Today, We're diving right into the virtues and benefits of a workflow that doesn't hold maximum productivity or efficiency as the pinnacle of success. If you've listened to any of our previous podcasts, like the ones on presets or AI culling or workflow hacks, this one provides you with a bit of an alternative perspective, just so you can make the right choice for yourself and your business. It could be exactly what you need to hear, or it could be a totally new perspective that might add a little bit of special sauce to your current workflow. So how about I just stop talking now and we can get right into it. Let's go. Do you want to just start a little bit by introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about who you are, and maybe just a little snippet of where you got your start? Yes, Anna Banana. Okay, okay. Jackson, hi. Um... Melbourne, Australia, 28. Not that age has anything to do with skill set. Yeah, <laughs> any any census data you can throw in about yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just pull up my Australian <laughs> records. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shit. That's a definitely unapologetically queer as hell. Love throwing that out there to the world. Uh, love me some... Reformer Pilates. I'm just thinking of what I do on like a day-to-day life. Yeah, <laughs> I do like three times a week, non-negotiable. Yes. Uh, ride my bike a lot. I feel like I always go on like the upward incline when I use Google Maps. I'm like, got to get those legs going. Wow. So you got that like topographical setting switched on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> feels weird just riding downhill the whole time. And yeah, quite active in the past few years. I found that it's almost a necessity if you're shooting weddings and you're always on your feet. I'm like, well, I think I need to get the stamina up in other ways as well to maintain that. And yeah, just dancing, like actually going for it. I feel like a lot of people say that they love dancing, but the friends can vouch that I'm pretty big on like a huge boog. Yes, uh, cutting all the shapes. <laughs> cutting all the shapes. All those pizza shapes. <laughs> and maybe and- music. I think, yeah, music as well. Just like the pace that that gives me mentally and particularly electronic subgenres pays like a 
plays a pivotal part in my influence, even though it's not a visual medium. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all part of it, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I love that you kind of started with talking about like what your life is like when you're not behind the camera, because when I first saw your work, it was like, I really got a sense of your personality. And I don't know if that's like just projecting, but yeah, Jackson Grant, ladies and gentlemen, is someone that shoots weddings like nobody else. Mm-hmm. There's just like something about your specific you-ness that just bleeds through the way that you sort of capture the world around you. And there is like an active, there's so much movement and there's so much like action to it that it makes so much sense to me that like you're a dancer you love like being in motion you love riding your bike I look at these shots and I'm like he was literally under that person's foot to capture this or like (laughs) he was standing on top of like I don't know how high of a structure that was but I just picture you like ping-ponging around the venue to just kind of capture all of these shots is that somewhat accurate oh my god yeah, like, oh, there's got to be an expiry date on it, which is probably why I had to reduce the amount that I do. But it's very much that. And I've tried the second shooter thing and I just have like this odd sense of perfectionism that I need to only be able to maintain myself. And it definitely makes it harder, but I'm just addicted to getting things that are actually challenging whilst still making people feel very initially uncomfortable, but then leaning into themselves and feeling comfortable. It's just that a lot of these people you'll never meet again. So you may as well fuck shit up, you know? (laughs) 100%. I feel like it's also their day that they are kind of the center of attention. And I think a lot of people like don't really want to lean into that or aren't really comfortable leaning into that. But deep down, like they're having a celebration about themselves and about their love. So if any day is the day, then that's the day. Gotta be that, you know, tackle that kind of guest heavy approach. Totally. So I imagine like you didn't shoot your first wedding kind of going in all guns blazing with like your sort of colors and your cameras and your props and all the things or did you like, how long did it take you to find your personal kind of Jackson style? Yeah. Yeah. This is hilarious. Cause I'm speaking at a conference like later this year that is surrounded by that exact topic and it has made me have to revisit my entire trajectory and I'm definitely not there to if you scroll down far enough you'll be able to notice a very evident like oh Jackson decided to go the other way all of a sudden it it was very (laughs) sudden Yeah. What was the question? Like, just in relation to... I guess it's kind of like, what was the turning point where you were kind of like, all right, I want to do this my way. Do you have any sort of moments or weddings in particular that you remember that you're like, well, if I'm going to do this for a living, like, I need to do it my way. When did you find the courage to do that? And like, how did you sort of discover that your style was your style? Yeah, I think maybe three or so years ago was when that was slowly me getting into like falling into my own just through not wanting to really I was just getting bored and this is an age-old conversation in a lot of podcasts I think but not really finding much influence through wedding photographers works thinking that I always had to 
do things like in that way. There was just this bubble ingrained in my head being like, oh, I have to follow what everyone else is doing. And it's such an oversaturated industry that I started needing to, yeah, look elsewhere. And I just take a lot of inspiration through other forms of photography and music again, as well as cinematography, just always watching films at home, understanding the why factor. I think it's quite easy to shoot reactively and that can stem from a lack of confidence, which I can definitely speak on more, but it just didn't suit my personality. I was like rocking up and being like a lesser version of myself, which sounded awful, but I sort of felt like it was, yeah, this place to, it's like a stomping ground for me just like I'm an extrovert in person around my friends at festivals. It's like, why wasn't I doing that in the context of a wedding? So I rocked up and just started to kind of twist that threshold knob that extra bit more and maintain my extroverted personality. So it speaks volumes that you resonate with that earlier when you mentioned that you can see myself in them and we haven't even met. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I was kind of like, is it a projection? But it's also just like there's something so unique about it. Like, mm. I guess where I go, my brain goes to just like attributing that to you as a person. You know, it seems, you know, I can tell that you're in the world and you're like absorbing inspiration, but it it seems as if this sort of collage of inspiration that you've sort of taken, you've made very much like your own. Yeah, that does not go just kind of risking those like preconceived compositions, it allows you to sort of be one happy camper when mm -hmm. you pack up and go and just preferring to get involved rather than steer to the sidelines. Like this whole candid vocabulary across people's websites and stuff. I just, it sounds a bit like you're taking a backseat in my opinion. And that's, I don't know, I feel weird saying that, but I think a lot of what we do naturally stems from being candid. So you just need, I think it's our responsibility to step forward that little bit more and be like, well, it's not all me in the background. Mm. Yeah. If people want any inspiration behind that, I'd definitely recommend listening to Sean Flanagan's ARC podcast. That was such a fire under my ass, to be honest, about just going for it. But it's, What did he say that like kind of was, was something uh, that really hit home for you? It was actually just like there was one quote in particular that I have. It's actually like blue tacked to my front door. So before I leave every wedding, I like read it and I'm like, oh, that's a nice little pick me up. Mm. I should probably put it in my car too. <laughs> <laughs> just know, like tape it to your forehead. We're not photographing wildlife. We're photographing a beautiful event. And if you're going to be photographing that from the outside in, you're losing. And that was by Sean. And mm. um, it just, it makes so much sense, but I tread carefully, you know, when I bring those things up because not everybody has that extroverted nature and there's method to being an introvert with people's work. And sometimes I get jealous about that as well. It's it's a full thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I also feel like it's about leaning into whatever, you know, you've been given. And yeah. I feel like if that's your approach, then, you know, you may as well put your gifts to use in the best way and get in amongst it and really yeah. like, yeah, show up and kind of direct and suggest and collaborate and really sort of, yeah, get in there. Oh shit. Yeah, absolutely. Was it a gradual kind of change then? Was it kind of like you slowly started to realize that your style could be better 
sort of honed and differentiated from the sort of oversaturated market that wedding photographers sort of live in? Or was it like, looking back at your work, are you like, okay, this is before the change and this is after the change? Is there like a stark delineation or was it kind of a gradual, slowly starting to incorporate things here and there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh my God, admittedly, I think it was around the time that I started smoking weed. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, okay, my brain's changing. And that was a COVID. You're like the Beatles. It's like their revolver. Yeah. I was like, everything just like twang, twang, twang. Like, it gets really psychedelic. (laughs) Oh God, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, but that wasn't the only thing. It just kind of allowed me to explore a new way of thinking and I yeah haven't touched the stuff for a few months now which is great but there's definitely method to such a beautiful plant I guess I just revisit like not caring as much like this was during COVID and when I say not caring I mean not caring about like what others think so again it was just that stomping ground for me to go in and fuck shit up and I was just becoming more and more unapologetic and Sometimes I feel like I didn't pick my battles really well. There were some kind of reserved, more reserved weddings. And you only know so much about a couple after meeting them physically, if it's geographically possible. And Mm. you go in and sometimes you pick up on the body language quickly and you have to resort back to a more safer way. And not everyone translates with that. So you Mm. definitely accidentally find your target demographic by just putting out what you want to get back out of it. Because at the end of the day, like, yeah, they're the clients, but if you're a creative, like, where's your progression coming from if your subject matter is always the same, you know? So I think that was a bit of a roundabout answer. No, no, totally. It makes sense that, like, you kind of started to get more bookings of people that actually resonated with your work. The more that you Hmm. did and the more that you sort of made that public, the more people were like, okay, this is his shtick. Like, I'm going to book him for this. Yeah. And it was like a reduction as well, which scared me initially, but it allowed me to think of like putting limits on these things because it's so exhausting working the way that I do that I had to put a reduction on it. And it was an accidental, like newly found freedom within myself to kind of, yeah, just limit those bookings to be able to maintain that creative intelligence. So So how many bookings do you typically take per year? Mm, Yeah. So I started, when was it? Like 2022. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that was when maybe just after COVID, I think, I can't remember. (laughs) Such a blur. The the sea bomb. Um, (laughs) It was sort of, yeah, strict 30 at the beginning of that. And then it's just that age old learning curve for a lot of us. I've been doing it for almost a decade now and I've finally gotten my pricing to where I needed it to be to survive off of 25 a year. And we've all obviously got our different financial standpoints and this is kind of more realistic for me long-term. And Mm. it comes down to me recognizing my self-worth as well as my privilege. Yeah. Yeah. So this kind of like leads into sort of what I want to touch on a lot of in this podcast is like, you know, you've kind of limited yourself to a certain amount of weddings per year, which allows you to give your clients a specific type of, I guess I kind of was leading into talking about what your process is around when you 
book people? A, like, do you kind of, knowing that you only take 25 clients on per year, do you have a kind of vetting process around who you actually take on? And then like, how much energy do you sort of give to everyone? Like, do you have a conscious decision about how many emails, how many phone calls, like how available you make yourself to them, how quickly you reply, like how invested is this kind of process and why is kind of 25 the magic number? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still a bit of a wild card digit, but I'm seeing the positive repercussions in it for sure. And I guess it's just hard to stop thinking about how we're going to approach things differently when we're saying yes to everything. So yeah. Yeah, I, I meet with them physically. There is definitely a vetting process. I'm not going to sort of, I'll say yes to the first 25 who want to book me, of course, but it's definitely after we've met and only if we all gel. And really, mm. that's not the case, but you're spending like a whole day with these people and I their guess families and their friends. And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You sort of, your creativity is like on the line if you notice any red flags and, it's definitely sometimes been that point of like straight after COVID, there was an added urgency behind saying yes to everything because we didn't have work for so long. And then following up like around a year later, when you actually hop into those gigs, it's like, oh, hang on. I think I said I was a bit too stern and not methodological, whatever the, however you say that. Yeah. <laughs> we all know what you mean. Yeah, what that is. <laughs> so, you know, it's just really important to remember that not every couple is for you. Like, especially those that want to try and barter you down. Like they obviously don't understand our creative approach. So that's a thing, but it's sort of offensive. And I dare say that I'd prefer to not do a reduced job and feel like I'm second guessing myself on the day and instead just palm them off to somebody else that would be able to actually gauge or be more adaptive, I suppose. And yeah, just meeting, like taking Mm. it back to basics, meeting them physically, if it's geographically possible, like I guess we're on a Zoom call right now, but when people do the Zoom calls, you can only get so much, you know? And yeah, uh, it's this really nice surprise element a lot of the time when you hop off and you meet up with them and it's like, oh, hang on, you're like even more amazing. It's weird, but I try to gauge their body language, natural chemistry, why they're actually doing this, if we can do that in person. And, you know, girl loves a drink, so... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you're going to be hanging out all day. I feel like it's so worthwhile just kind of spending some time with them and being generous with your time and just really like taking the time to get to know them as people. That's Um, another thing. Oh my God. Because like, it gives me that chance to also ensure them, I get that people might be a little scared that they like my work, but they can't see themselves in it. So it also allows me to meet up personally. And I have like two different tangible, tactile albums that I like to show them and ones that it's like devoted to the safe stuff and ones sort of devoted to the weird stuff. And I kind of make sure that they're both understood. Otherwise, Mm. a lot of the time I might not get the booking because they'll just think like, oh, he was so great to talk to. And this hasn't happened. (laughs) But I just worry that they think, oh, we're only going to get what Jackson puts up on, on the old gram. 
Um, and I'm like, no, 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 like, I'll get you macking on at sunset time and bloody walking down the aisle and all that jargon. So <laughs> that's yeah, fine too. Yeah, <laughs> I'll get the shots for your grandparents and your parents, you know. I'll oh, get the yeah. ones that they, yeah, the fridge, the... the fridge shots, the yes, I, shots. I use that terminology with family photos. I'm like, yeah, I'll get the fridge pics, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all know where they're going. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. <laughs> and so... Is this kind of time that you're spending with them like baked into the final kind of price that you've quoted them? Like, have you done sort of cost and the math of like, all right, I'm going to do a couple in-person meetings with them and this is how much I value my time at. And you've just kind of baked it into that you can be generous and you can feel like without yeah. resentment, I'm going to give this to you because this is part of what I offer. Mm. Oh, God, people aren't going to be a fan of this. I think, like, <laughs> the less business modules that I carry, emphasis on a meh, the better. <laughs> it's weird. I, I'm very much, I definitely understand my self-worth. I have the pricing down pat. I've only got the one package, sort of take it or leave it. It allows me to get the most out of it with my workflow. And really, like, if there's added meetings or if couples want me to do a site visit or something, as long as it's not freaking in the middle of whoop whoop like I kind of just turn a blind eye and do it I'm happy to rock up early so much of what we do in comparison to what you would quote yourself as a commercial photographer sometimes I wonder if like what I'm charging is too much it sounds so bizarre but I used to be in that commercial field and I've seen both sides of the coin and a lot of the time like the editing takes it obviously takes a lot more time than the photography itself, but I'm so much more happy to understand like my self-worth based on those two things, just like the photography and editing and then everything else. It's just a bonus. Like I'd prefer to be there for them 100% and just have additional meetings if we need to. Like if I literally tell them over every email, like just call me if you are worried about what fucking color your napkins should be, then like give me a buzz. Like it's not my first rodeo. So yeah, just nodding to being a bit of a better person. And if they want me for additional hours, that's obviously a different story, but that never happens. I think eight hours cuts the mustard and what I'm charging for, it just includes travel time. And then it's a bit more strategic and with international gigs. So yeah, it's just being that better person, you know? Yeah. And I really think there is something about just like baking in a sense of goodwill, just general sort That's of goodwill, good yeah. feeling, you know, not kind of really like getting too techy about like nickel and diming every single minute of time you spend on your business. Yeah. yeah I think like there's so many shortcuts available to photographers these days, like mm. that you can really like maximize your profits and scale and like, you know, yeah. all these things and what I hear you advocating for is almost like the other side of the coin, like the sort of yeah. more human-led side of it, which is, yeah, really refreshing, I think. I guess like the job's always been about like showcasing everyone under one roof. So if you can sort of align it with your values, like I'm not there for some piece of white fabric, like I'm not going to place a premium on that or how regal they're location is before saying yes to them, I think you sort of need to sit with yourself for a sec if you are. Like it really, at the end of the day, you give me a backyard with overgrown grass and paper plates and I'm still gonna like make it a million. Like <laughs> when it's yeah. it's ludicrous to me how people it's almost like weddings have 
lost that that charm when you revisit like your parents' albums and stuff, and it was just so carefree and dirty and fun and mm. not, that that's still very much evident in a lot of gigs nowadays. But just online, it I don't know, it feels like I've I can't find that sense of fun anywhere. So I wanted to bring that back within myself and that vetting process. Yeah, it's definitely evident. It's your responsibility to make sure you find people that are on your side as well. Do you ever kind of run into couples who like express a desire for like something a bit, I don't know, maybe faster turnaround times or certain edits that aren't very you? And like, Mm. how do you kind of deal with that? Yeah, yeah. God, (laughs) the edits are one thing. Yeah, sometimes I boost that saturation a little too much. But again, find your crowd, find your people. I get the urgency on their end. Like they're excited to show it all off and so they should be. And the whole faster turnaround time thing, God, you should have seen me when I got my wisdom teeth out last year. I was was definitely wanting a faster turnaround time there. (laughs) Like it's weird. (laughs) Yeah, like I just, I think... There shouldn't be an urgency on my end. I, yeah, good question. Mm. I think myself and a lot of others might second guess why couples sort of upload their friends' iPhone snaps before our, like, polished sneaky peekies. But <laughs> I'm not going to see it as some race to the finish line. Like, I just remind them to wait it out and that the sneak peeks are going to blow them out of the water, you know? How long do you take to give them the sneak peeks? I'd say if we're often shooting on Fridays and Saturdays, I'll do it on the Monday. Like we, you best believe I'm tipping back a couple of jugs of frothies on Sunday, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Think, and like the carpal fucking tunnel in your wrists, you know? Like you got to give those hands a break. My God. 100%. I know the body really does take the toll. It's... Mm. Regardless of whether you photograph elopements, weddings, or family sessions, the juggling act that comes with running your own business can be a real struggle. There's a lot that falls on your shoulders, from marketing yourself, to managing your finances, to finding new ways to stay creatively inspired. Look, it's a lot to expect one person to do on their own. You should be able to grow a thriving photography business without losing sleep, time, or all your friends over it. Having empowered over 500,000 photographers worldwide to make money doing what they love, the Unscripted app for photographers takes the struggle out of what you do. Offering the world's most extensive collection of poses and prompts, lawyer-approved contracts, digital invoices, client questionnaires, beautifully designed galleries, and so much more, your only regret will be not getting on board earlier. Stop feeling disorganized, insecure, and awkward. Book your ideal clients and grow a thriving photography business today. Search Unscripted in your app store now and get $20 off lifetime access with our code UnscriptedPodcast. So do you, you don't work with AI calling programs, I take it? Nah. Nah. Um, yeah, I've given it a go. And fuck, I'm not going to lie, it gets tempting. Like, it's a lot of work, but I guess... That's weird. I, I draw a line in the sand with it. The apps sort of don't really come close to figuring out like the shots that I'd prefer to keep. And you just have to do it yourself if you're as fucking weird as me. Like if you're trying to save time, I'm sort of a firm believer of gaining your time back like authentically. And that's what these ad- these apps are trying to push. But if you're a creative, like, yeah, I'm not going to get that through an app. And they weren't like there on the day that you were shooting. Like it just doesn't align with my ethics and 
I think in a similar vein, you could probably have the same conversation about selling presets. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's tell strange. me, tell me more. Tell me more. God, here we go. I feel go like I need, a, I need to press like the nail emoji. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I don't like. No, yeah. like it's just your perspective. Like you're not telling anyone how to do it. I'm just curious about you know why you've chosen to do it that way for yourself. And I think yeah. that the reason behind why you've chosen to do things a certain way over others has got a lot to teach other people about when they're trying to make these decisions for themselves, you know, because yeah. it's just like the done thing. And then there's also other people doing it different ways. And I think that perspective is really important, you know? Yeah. I guess I'm an advocate for it initially, like back in the early days, that's it was all very tempting and I didn't know much about photography. I'm like, oh, hang on, that will make my photo look fucking fantastic. Sure, I'm going to spend 90 bucks on that. But it's weird. Some people say like that they used to use Visco filters and then they found like the consistency annoying. So they went their own way and then they end up selling presets. And I'm like, well, you're kind of just selling the exact same thing. Like if mm -hmm. you're buying preset packs from other photographers, I think at minimum, you need to change it up. Otherwise, like to make them work for you and your style and your camera settings. And they also push that as well. But a lot of the time, like you end up just not like blinking and you're fucking 10 years down the track and you're like, oh my God, all my shit looks the same. Like mm. consistency should not be the key. Like I would hope that variety is so fucking hyper evident in my folio, which unfortunately is just Instagram nowadays. <laughs> Otherwise, all your shit, yeah, it's just going to look like some, I think I quoted on a fashion journal interview, I was like, everything looks like a Mumford and Sons album cover. <laughs> it's like, it's oh just Oh my so God, funny. it's such an era. Yeah. Good era for music. Good era for music. <laughs> but like, I think the maybe color grade that I feel like you might be referencing is a very specific era for yeah. a lot of wedding and portrait photographers and like mm. that kind of warm desatch like kind of yeah it was a time, a time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah i guess kind of putting presets on things that kind of like time stamps things in a certain way too like yeah. kind of puts it in a yeah instead of putting your own personal stamp on it you're kind of like branding it of a specific time yeah, yeah, correct, correct. And it's lucrative. A lot of the time, couples don't see, I would hope that the people that are booking me see everything beyond just themselves in my photo. Like they understand the dedication, the devotion through the color grade and the compositions that I will whip up. And I don't know, I think if you're calling yourself a photographer, then you're not just shooting, like you're curating by culling your images yourself, like you're editing or at least working with a fantastic fucking human like a real person to do that and you're answering your own emails like imagine if the couples didn't even know you like you're rocking up and they're like strangers because you weren't doing the emails and couples probably wouldn't be able to get your whole picture either like they're putting so much trust in you in this digital age like they're saving their earnings to have you there the entire time like and that's before during and after so it's weird i guess yeah that whole ai culling situation it's time saving, but I just had to rewind and realize that, yes, it'll probably make my outcome even better and it will make my time fall short a little. But that's why I had to reduce the gigs because I wanted the best of both worlds. And you found clients as well that have been able to sort of support that. I think a lot of people, they kind of, I guess it's just like, I don't know, not to get all 
political about it, but there's something about this sort of fear in a capitalist society of like needing to like continually output, 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 be productive, Hmm. constantly kind of, it's sort of like just this very rushed forward moving kind of churning energy. And I feel like you really kind of are taking a leap of faith here in a way where you're like refusing to like go with the current that dictates, you know, do all the time-saving things, get the presets. Have you always sort of gravitated to doing things this way? Were you Mm. ever kind of tempted and like kind of, oh, maybe I should? Or has it been very quite natural in regards to who you are? Yeah, definitely. The churn and burn was something that I got through yonks ago. We've all been there. Some of us are still there, I'm sure. And it's just, yeah, it just wasn't feasible. So it was a realization through that sense of shit giving to be like, oh, I I can't 100% be there unless I pull the plug and do less. So I'm not sure if that's an answer to the question. Yeah. I mean, I think that what I'm hearing you say as well is that there are, it's fed your creativity and your capacity to really be able to have your hands on things and like get that like kind of feedback. The process of culling is part of the artistic kind of process as yeah. is the process of editing and kind of using these shortcuts in a way yeah. that moves you from a very essential part of what makes it what yeah. it is. Yeah. What's the kind of client feedback that you receive around this approach? I mean, how privy are your clients to the fact that you don't really take any shortcuts? Is this just kind of like all back end, like behind the scenes and they just see the final product? Or do you feel like they've sort of, they pick up on the decisions that you make? And I hope so. I'd hope so much. Uh, yeah, it's like they'll often tell me afterwards that they saw the devotion the entire way through. And that was, that's wonderful to hear. And I guess I remember one couple, like they had mentioned that I drew like a playfulness out of them that didn't, they didn't know existed. And that's in itself is pretty transformative. Like I'm sure there's other words out there, but the common thread is that I just make them laugh and I'm kind of a performer. Like it was weird. Ollie Sansom, I was really happy to, do a little quickie workshop in Belgium with him, sort of tailgated his talk afterwards. And I hopped up and I remember just being like perplexed by what he had just said. And I don't know if it was a quote from someone else or if these were his words, but he mentioned that you're not getting paid to take photos, you're getting paid to pay attention. And it just really stuck with me. And I've Mm. always found that approach really great. I'm there to actually make them laugh. And that's my little slice of what I'm giving them. And the photos are just a bonus. It's quite strange, sort of for what's often seen as like this in and out experience. I can't help but care like too much. And it's probably to my detriment, like business wise, but yeah, it's weird. Someone at like a another workshop once, they told me and well, everyone in the room that it's not your day. And I get that, but I think if you're really thinking about it, like you're sort of third wheeling with them, like a lot of the time you're kind of right beside them. And if you read like my Google reviews, it's sort of evident that like I can't help but become the guest and I'm just confident and yeah, like unapologetic. It's really translating nowadays. Do you feel like your approach is more fringe or more mainstream? 
I don't know. I'd want it to be mainstream. That's the thing. But I guess at the moment, it is more fringe. Like it's your portrayal of something so meaningful. So to rush that or just, yeah, take those shortcuts, it just feels weird to me. And it's like you're in it for the gram or something. But at the end of the day, like we're not slowing down. There's unfortunately method attached to urgency, but my pace works for me. So I'll just keep doing me. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) For like newbie photographers out there that are like, maybe feeling that like kind of churn and burn as you put it do you have any pieces of advice or like tidbits to share about the benefits of transitioning to maybe Mm. a slower pace of working yeah well i guess just listening to this bloody podcast (laughs) (laughs) and there's a few like i've I've been a fan for uh, for a while i just never thought i'd bloody hit hit the damn thing and there's a few other great potties like out there so just i guess educating yourself through what others have to say and not all of it's going to translate with you, but just listening to others that reconcile a a slower pace and you can't let yourself sort of get stuck in the roadblock of self-comparison. Like we're just trying to put our best foot forward at the end of the day online. And I doubt photographers often get to see like a full bloody pick time gallery from a favorite photographer of theirs, you know, so just totally starting to look beyond wedding photography for inspiration. Like I buy photo books, even if they like, yeah, collect dust after a couple of reads and attend exhibitions, just not really. I think that if you're only following other wedding photographers, you're just going to stay in that lane. And I, I would hope that's not the case. And I definitely invest in the whole notion of community over competition for sure. But you need to look elsewhere as well. It's it's really important. And I think most importantly, like if I was to revisit like my own former self and tell myself something like 10 years before when I was just starting out, like you just can't force the confidence onto others. And a lot of my work ended up coming down to that. So it was a really nice realization. And if you're a default, like introvert, it's not a bad thing. If that translates with your work, there's like a stillness that Mm. can be found oh it's sort of emotional it's just like a i don't know i get jealous of other creatives that i can sense are more introverted or they show off a more moodier side of like something that's just so polarizing to me but there's like this jealousy to be found because they find this like micro millisecond moment of something that i'd just never be able to fixate on but they can't do me and i can't do them and yeah we all just sort of have to back ourselves like a hundred percent of the way like yeah yeah and kind of just like lean into whatever it is that you feel most comfortable with or you feel most inspired by and yeah I don't know I definitely can relate to that sense of like grass is always greener of kind Mm. of thinking that or just wishing I think for me it's like I sometimes just wish I could step into different personalities at whim and just like be able to just borrow from different things and really I don't know, but I feel like there's also something to be said about instead of broadening, like deepening, like deepening the thing that you're really good at and like really just going into that instead of kind of looking at what other people are doing. And it kind of splits your attention in a lot of ways too. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, you're just kind of constantly looking outside of yourself for validation and for inspiration. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. How does it work for like yourself with 
copywriting, I guess, is like a good segue. Oh my God, I love that I'm putting the questions back on you because <laughs> they're words at the end of the day. And I guess it's very evident if you're like going to sound like somebody else. So like, how do you, I'm actually curiosity driven by like how you fall into that, like with inspiration as well. Well, it's interesting because I feel like with copywriting, what I'm doing is like, I'm looking for the voice in the brand or the person yeah. that I'm working with. And oh, I kind true. of have to put on their hat and like speak from their voice. So mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like I'm having to adopt another vernacular, another sense of sort of like, would they speak yeah. in long sentences? Would they speak in short sentences? Would they use like contractions? Would they yeah. use slang? Would they, you know, and so I'm kind of having to think about like the nuance of speech yeah. and then yeah. like inhabit that on behalf of other people. But when Whoa. I'm, it's really interesting because it's kind of like being an actor or exploring like a foreign country and then like trying to fit in. Yeah. There's something oh. kind of like shape-shifty about copywriting, which is really interesting. Yeah, correct. Uh, shape-shifting in particular. It, I, there was this one moment where someone like came up to me at, I think it was like a conference or like, I don't know, some, oh, where was it? It doesn't matter. And they came back to me and they're like, oh, who did like your copywriting for your website? <laughs> and I'm like, it was actually just me. Like, I just wanted to come across like I was at a pub and talking shit. Like, that was my whole sense of relatability. I, I actually don't know. I feel like I've dug myself a deeper hole where I, can't, <laughs> I, I just can't hire a copywriter. I'm, I'm so bogan. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, it's it comes across in your emails and stuff as well. Like, you're oh. like giving people nicknames that you've never met before and like <laughs> throwing in like lots of rogue emojis. And it's just, it's fun though, because it's so refreshing. Like a lot of people, the voice that they put on on email is very professional yeah. and subdued. And then you just come in out the gate swinging. Just Oh my God, absolutely. Like it, it is a target <laughs> demographic. I am not going to find if it's through like an inquiry that just says, pricing please with like a full stop. I'm like, fucking give me a bit of personality for God's sakes. Like 100%. shit, I'm giving you all these options on my website to be like so uniquely you, like from the get go. Like I want to hear everything. Like I'm, I'm probably not going to respond if you're just being how much? <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, that's such a put off for like so many people anyway, where it's like, oh, okay, so you're just like price canvassing and yeah, yeah. you're just going to go with the cheapest. Cool. Speaking of, can you share us a story about a time when like things went really pear-shaped for you? <laughs> oh, people would have stories you hear a lot. I think I've played it on a bit of a planar level if that's right like just a i've just sort of coasted nothing's really popped up out of the ordinary i mean i've seen like brides faint and then it was like a domino effect because <gasps> like a, a bridesmaid fainted straight afterwards no and that was like solely oh. because they just i don't think they ate in the morning so i always no. like preface that before the wedding i'm like make sure you eat and it better not just be a croissant <laughs> like <laughs> yeah there's that and I guess it, maybe everything else is sort of unfortunately driving related. Like, it's fucked. I had such a bad luck with my car. I think some of my friends that are probably listening to this right now are, like, pissing themselves because they know, <laughs> like, the stories. But 
taking it publicly, like, recently-ish, I got bogged. And I don't think that's a worldwide term. Bogged just means, like... (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say. (laughs) Google Translate. It sort of means when, like, one or four or whatever of your tyres get stuck in, like, the mud and you can't get the car out because the wheel's just spinning and... (laughs) <laughs> I rocked up with another photographer at this gig like three and a half hours away and I had to park the car. It was the getting ready stage, of course. So oh, no. Yeah, bad luck. But oh. I was filming at the time and he was photographing and I was so wrapped that there was another vendor there because I parked the car like on damp grass and say no more. Oh, um, no. Tried to get it out. And then anyway, he drove me around the rest of the day, which was fine. It was actually more so just about like getting home and there was this whole thing because it was so far away and it worked itself out. I ended up just like going back to Melbourne on like a bus the next day because I had a wedding the next day as well, which scared the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) I had to to drive back a week later because some guy with the tractor ended up getting it out because RACV couldn't get it out and... It was just a whole thing. And then, like, the other driving story, I was, like, driving behind a couple and they had, like, the bride's dad's car or something, like, me or, like, a real vintage car. And I almost, like, I think I just hit it, but I, like, I wasn't looking and I, I like, drove into the back <gasps> of the couple's car. A little love tap. A little love tap, but it was fine. And I, I think they might have known what was going on but they didn't say anything and i i looked at the back of the car and it was fine yeah wait they were in the car when it happened? they were yeah like they were driving in front of me and i was following them <laughs> <laughs> it was fucked and, and no one I, said a word about it no no it was just this unspoken thing oh my god and then and the last thing oh why are they all relating to my car they most recently, I was driving back from a wedding back near my hometown. I had to be back in Melbourne the next day. So, I could have stayed at my parents' house, but I just drove back to the big smoke and lost my license on the way back because I was speeding, but it was accidental. I was doing like 110 kilometers, which is like the legal limit on the freeway. And then, yeah, it took this turn off and it was midnight at this point. And my mind just wasn't looking at the odometer or whatever thing. I was doing like 110 in an 80 zone, which is like an immediate loss of license for three months. And I get it back oh. on Sunday. So I'm so excited for that. <laughs> Wait, so you've been rolling around without a license for the past three yeah, months? Yeah, yeah. But I was shitting myself the night of. I was like, oh my God, this is going to stuff up so many of my bookings. And I looked at my calendar the next day. And thankfully, I all of the rest of the gig, like two of them were like on a V line, like on a train. Uh, which was handy. Like I just used that and then got a taxi. So that was the more stressful ones. But the rest of them were thankfully like either Uberable or I actually also just had all of January off, which was a weird accident. It's quite a busy month normally. So that was really nice and yeah, allowed me to go on holidays and yeah, just think about the calm before the storm. Yeah. I mean, lucky you live in a city and you can kind of get places like on a trainer. I feel like losing a license when you live a little bit more rurally is like, oh my God. Life, life is over. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pack up. So, anyway, I'm going to be looking at that a lot more. I was like using cruise control and 
it just so happened to be that this police car was conveniently placed right at this intersection where I could tell they would definitely get a lot of people and yeah, lost it, but it's been great. Uh, I mean, I said, I, I mean, I'm an avid cyclist, so I've been riding my bike more. I'm like the pros have outweighed the cons accidentally. That's amazing. Did you try and like pull the waterworks or anything with a police officer? Were you like, I don't uh, like, were you just like, all right. Yeah. Like, they're just so intimidating. Like you just get this like belly drop feeling and you're like, oh, just fucking nod. Just they're right. It's always, they're right. You're not going to like flash your tits and call it a day. Like they're, it's, you're fucked. Like you kind of just, <laughs> <laughs> you sort of just have to be like, okay, yeah, move on. All good. Pay the fine. Actually, once I got pulled over for going, I think it was like 20 Ks over. It was like just after, like it had become, I think it was like 80 and then it had, and then it was a 50 Mm. and then it was like just after the 50 sign. And I was like, oh, like, just give me a second. Like, I'm obviously slowing down. I don't know. I'm just kind of terrified of police officers and they just like instill this, like, like I just get so scared and of authority yeah and i just started crying like i didn't even mean to it wasn't like pulling the waterworks i just started crying because yeah. i was terrified you do. and he just he was like i haven't even done anything I, <laughs> you're gonna get a warning like it's yeah okay. yeah <laughs> also wait you got out okay I got, or- yeah yeah oh, i got a you. warning i know uh, <laughs> slap on the wrist <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't get away with it now, though. Yeah. Too many warnings, and then you know, you're kind of out of warnings. And I learned that you actually accrue demerit points; you don't lose them. Like you start with zero, and they're like zero is a good number, and then I think twelve or sixteen or however many you get, uh, that's bad. So you don't lose them; you actually gain them. I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah, it's really oh, I thought it was the other way around. Like you start with a certain amount of like beans in the bucket and then like you get them taken out when you I know it, that makes more sense but it's just more confusion adding to the mix <laughs> zero is a good number okay yeah zero is a good number zero is good Jackson it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast today I'm so happy with like what we were able to talk about before I sign off here is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you'd like to say to our audience I don't know. Um, I'm really happy with where the industry is heading. Admittedly, I really enjoy seeing people come into their own online and how fine it's been a joy to sort of find this juggling act of being a freelancer and trying to work with that. Myself just being really self-sufficient as well, needing to back myself a lot more. Very proud of others doing the same thing. The people that I've met Along the way, having industry friends is so important and having friends outside of it is even more important because a lot of the time, yeah, it's just you at home in front of a computer screen. And I think a lot of like people might just think, oh, you get to see all these joyous occasions, but you really need other people there to gauge the highs and lows with you. Yeah, I definitely finding myself really grateful more and more across these years of coming into my own. And yeah, I guess I'd like to thank you. I'd like to thank Jen, another unscripted veteran. <laughs> met her at Freddy and Kyle's wedding recently, and that was really awesome. Um, yeah, apparently you walked away with just like a whole new posse that day. Everyone I was did. just like, my friend, yeah. Jackson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's often <laughs> the case. Like, it's quite incestuous. Uh, I don't know. <laughs>
And just, yeah, like that hugs to the team at Unscripted, like just for highlighting inclusivity across your website and all of your platforms. It's 2024, but that's still very unfortunately such a rarity to see in our industry. So yeah, that was, that's just seeing that at the forefront kind of gave me the reassurance that I think it aligned with my ethics and just hopping on made so much sense. You'll find me at Way Up North later this year, which yeah, I'm very, tell very t- tell us about that and like what else is in the pipeline for you 2024. I mean, that sounds like a massive highlight. Tell us about that. What are you going to be doing? What is it for people who haven't heard of it? Yeah, uh, I'm shitting my dacks. Like <laughs> oh, earlier, before I think we went live, I I mentioned to you that felt like it just went from zero to a hundred, and I'm not the fucking cream of the crop, but it just feels I've come into my own and things are really exciting and people want to hear from me and I'm just nervous that I'm going to be too unapologetic and I'll be like, no, you have to do things this way, but it's, it's, it's all subjective and you get 45 minutes up there. It's a conference that happens on a global scale, just in different parts of Europe, I think annually. And yeah, it's, I think the tickets are sold out. I'm not sure, but it's called way up North. Is it wedding photography specific? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Should have mentioned that. Yeah, it is. There's like nine speakers and then I think 10 or 12 or something mini speakers. It's going to be great. It's like two days. I'm just rehearsing every day and I'm trying to succumb to dot points, which is really scary. But, you know, I've got something to give and they saw that with me and I just need to start backing myself more, I think, and realizing that I've got this and yeah, for sure. I mean, it's such a journey and I feel like it's like the more that you push yourself, the more you're going to feel like you're not able to like rise to the, you know, or like there's some kind of part of you where you feel like, oh, I do need to back myself more, yeah. you know, and I feel like that's just a sign that like you're in the right zone, you know, yeah. you're doing the right thing because you're not complacent. You're not feeling like all right, yeah, this is yeah, just another yeah. thing. I've only ever seen it on like an Australian scale, but if I revert back to who I've seen in the past where I got a lot of take-homes from, like I watched Jessica Tramp on stage like many moons ago and like I watched Dan O'Day like a couple of times and I'm like, I think you understand yourselves and it just comes out so naturally because you probably don't even have to look at a screen at the end of the day because you just, you've done it. They're just industry fucking veterans that have so much greatness to put out there. And I am sure that everybody else at Way Up North has done the same. I'm sure there've been flops. I don't know. I'm I'm really happy, happy to be here. Yeah, You're gonna kill it. I'm so excited. I'm so excited oh. for you. It's gonna be amazing. I feel like Cheers, it's- <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today, Jackson. I'll make sure to put where people can find you in the show notes so that they can scope your beautifully colorful exciting work yeah i hope we get you on another time in the not too far future of course thank you for pulling out all the big questions thank you guys so much for joining me on another episode of the unscripted podcast for photographers i had such a good time talking to jackson what an absolute darling I know that a lot of our podcasts so far have been focused on providing you guys with all the best ways to hack your way to your most productive selves So this one might have come as a bit of a curveball, but I hope it was a welcome one. The thing is, it's just so important to find your own way in this wild photography landscape. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to hear the perspectives of lots of different people who do things in lots of different ways. 
There is no one-size-fits-all approach or any real right way to do anything. We're all just out here figuring out what works best for us. Whatever you decide to eventually take away from this episode, just be sure that it's aligned with who you are and what you want for your biz. And regardless of who you are, be sure to check out Jackson's wedding picks. They are guaranteed to put a smile on your dial and blow your mind. Thank you so much for joining me. I will see you next time. This podcast was created on the unceded land of the Bundjalung people, and we pay our respects to elders past, emerging, and present.